Happy Friday, foodies. We are back for another episode of Food Network Obsessed, the podcast where we dive into all things Food Network and chat with your favorite Food Network personalities. Today on the podcast, we have world-renowned chef and Food Network powerhouse, Alex Cornishelli. She is the host of Supermarket Stakeout, and you may also know her from shows like Chopped, Guy's Grocery Games, Best Thing I Ever Ate, and Food Network Kitchen's Fix Me a Plate. Not only that, but she's the author of three cookbooks, the executive chef at Butter and New York City, and of course, holds that prestigious title of Iron Chef. But before we get to my interview with Alex, I did want to give a quick shout out to my boyfriend, Justin. Uh, today is our four year anniversary. So happy anniversary, babe. We actually listen to the podcast every Friday right when it comes out. So uh, he's listening right now and happy anniversary. But we we actually met in person four years ago today and we joke that we've been on one long date ever since. So we are celebrating tonight by going to the uh, observation deck of the Empire State Building. We're sort of on this Uh, I guess, tour of observation decks in New York City. It's a great time to do it right now because there are definitely not as many tourists. And um, the rest of the evening was supposed to be a surprise. Um, But we have a shared calendar. I don't know if any other couples do that. Um, And he had made a reservation at the Nomad Hotel for dinner and a little staycation. And it populated into his Google calendar, which then populated into our shared calendar. So I accidentally saw what we were doing. But I'm super excited. Um, we are going to the restaurant at the Nomad. They have kind of a rooftop situation set up like indoor, outdoor um, set up with the you know view of New York City. And it is a Michelin starred restaurant, which is totally not Justin's speed. Everyone thinks he's like just as enthusiastic and excited about food as I am, which is really not the case. And he's not a big fan of fancy restaurants, but he knows how much I love it, which is really sweet. So we are going to eat dinner there. I've never actually eaten there. We've just been there for drinks around the holidays. So should be a fun little staycation in the city to celebrate four years. And speaking of romance, Alex actually has some stories to share as well as she recently got engaged. We talk about that and so much more. So let's not waste any more time. Here's Alex. Alex, welcome. So happy you were able to join us today. I know you're a very busy woman. Well, you and I first worked together on the set of Iron Chef Showdown. Um, and I wanted to just kind of tell a little uh, yeah. a little story because I don't know if you realized it at the time, but maybe without you know, knowing it, you actually positively influenced me and kind of encouraged me to speak up more. Um, so I'll tell this quick little story and um, and see if you remember it. But Due to scheduling, you know, we shoot everything out of order a lot of times with these Food Network shows. Uh, so it was my very first day on set. It was the Christmas episode. Of course, you were the Iron Chef. And um, I had never done really one of these Food Network shows before, at least not in this capacity. And the wardrobe girl had picked out these like ridiculous four inch heels for me to wear. And I I didn't want to wear them because, you know, we were going to be in a kitchen, but I assumed that, you know, that was just how it was. I should just wear them and not say anything. Um, And I walked on set and we started chatting and you said, you're going to be in sneakers by season two. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I actually appreciated that so much because in that moment, you kind of confirmed what I had been thinking and 
you know, just kind of confirm that you should go with your gut and and speak up if you're not comfortable. And I think that that confidence and that keeping it real mentality that we see from you uh, in person and on the screen is something that people really gravitate to you and why you have become such a force in this business. And I'm just wondering if if you've always approached life that way or if if that's something that you kind of also picked up along the way. Hmm. What a question. I mean, I've never done anything but cook my whole adult life. And I think part of what really instills confidence is when you really are an expert at something. The sheer volume of cooking I've done for the last 30 years has made me realize I probably can say I know how to cook. The confidence piece that you're talking about that's so hard to sort out um, came from a really unusual place or it was born inside of me and then watered and given sunlight by Bobby Flay who said, um, wear what you want to wear when you're on your set. You know, you don't like your shirt. It's going to show in your performance. You don't like your toenail clipping. It's going to show. And I remember he said it to me and I thought, I don't know if I believe that. Cause I think that we need to look a certain way. We're on television. People are looking at us. So I better wear that super tight sweater. And that really uncomfortable pair of heels, um, in my case, though, I never wore heels, um, <laughs> um, takes time. It took a lot of time to get there. But I think I'm sure I said that to you. You looked very nervous, but you also kn- knew what you were doing and, and you deserved the position you had. It wasn't like, oh, boy, they threw this girl in here and she doesn't know. But you thought, well, I better just I better look my part. And you didn't need those shoes. Like you looked your part without them. And since somebody told me I didn't need the shoes, I thought maybe probably I should tell you, you didn't need them either. It's like paying it forward. Yeah. Well, I appreciated it. And by the way, you apologized the next day, which you did not have to do um, because again, I was, I used to I was be so nice. <laughs> no, I was, I was really appreciative. And I think, I think you, you nailed it on the head. You know, it's just, you sometimes get caught up in, in what other people think you should be doing or, or not wanting to be difficult because unfortunately in this business, you know, that stereotype kind of gets labeled uh, on a lot of people that are in front of the camera and especially females. So um, I think that that's, that's super important. So um, I appreciate you playing along uh, as, as, I, as I told that very long story to start off this podcast. No, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Well, so much to talk about, obviously with you, because you have you have so many um, different layers to your career and and how it uh, fits in with Food Network. Uh, you've been in that Food Network family for almost 15 years. I know. <laughs> a recurring judge on Chopped, co-host on The Kitchen, obviously an iron chef, as we've discussed. But how did you get your first start with the network? Let's go all the way back. I don't know why or who, but someone asked me to be on Food Network Challenge, which is sort of like the the savory version of those kids baking shows that Valerie and Duff do. It's very similar, you know? Mm. Um, So someone asked me to be on a Thanksgiving one night, five hours, five hours to make a Thanksgiving dinner. There were four contestants. They picked a winner and then they didn't really pick anything beyond that. So there were four of us. So it was sort of like, if you didn't win, you didn't feel embarrassed. Like Mm. this is a contest where everyone's a winner. (laughs) Um, everyone gets a ribbon. Um, so I, um, I made a Thanksgiving dinner, but it's shot in Denver, Colorado. And I didn't know about altitude. I just didn't know about altitude cooking. I mean, I know it's obvious, but so I was boiling water forever 
and, or trying to and trying to cook mashed potatoes and they literally never cooked. And I just kind of couldn't believe it. I cooked a whole turkey. I made a pie I'm up from scratch. I made ice cream. I made all these things. I just kind of couldn't make the mashed potato work. And I was so inexperienced. I mean, now I would have, you know, microwaved them and baked. I could have baked 7,000 potatoes in five hours and made mashed potatoes <laughs> from baked potatoes. But I just didn't, I didn't know. I was like, this is what I'm doing. So I, I kind of bombed it. Um, my turkey was awesome. My pie was awesome. But I bombed the mash and I didn't win. And I remember um, going back to the hotel room after it was over and saying to myself, I'm never going to be asked to be on a Food Network show again. I, I bombed it. I, I, my cooking wasn't good. I looked like a dope. My hair color is wrong. What was I think? I just ripped. I shredded myself for 70 reasons. I auto shredded. I put myself through the shredder. But the producer on the show said, go and talk to the audience. He would, at that time, they would make you take the mic, like as a contestant and go into this like studio audience and just explain what you made and talk. So I took the mic and I was like, Hey guys, man, I really bombed this, but let me tell you what I made anyway. So I just talked naturally. And the producer was standing with the audience, you know, laughing. And then he said, you know, you're just really good at this. And I said, uh, yeah, but I bombed my mashed potatoes. I couldn't get it out of my head. It was like, I thought I was auditioning for a kitchen job. <laughs> And um, then I uh, I was a challenger on Iron Chef America. That was my next kind of thing. Oh, wow. So I challenged Kat Cora to um, an Iron Chef battle. But that day I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, Ava. So I went into Kitchen Stadium like, hi. Hey, how are we today? How's your... Um, And I... um, you know, I was, I wanted to be on Iron Chef so bad, so bad. That was my life goal forever. Um, but I went in there and it was like, God was like, I'm going to find something even bigger than this to freak you out. So my stomach is swirling. I'm like, there's a little human baking in there. Um, but that's how I got started. Challenge and Iron Chef. And then I did a screen test, which is hilarious, with Sonny Anderson. We went into the studio. They called us in together into that little side studio in Chelsea and Sonny hosted and I cooked and we talked together like we were a duo. I made minestrone and Sonny was like, what are you doing? What are you making? How are you feeling? What do you tell me about your grandmother? And, and I was like making this, this stuff and we finished and the, <laughs> and they were like, you forgot the beans in the minestrone. I had forgotten these two big bowls of beans. All I had to do was add them in, but I had forgotten them. So at the end of it, and they were like cut and they were like, thanks so much for coming in. Both of you. They were like, Sonny, fantastic job. You were fantastic. Alex, thank you. Um, I got a lot, <laughs> a lot of head tilt. You know, when you get the head tilt, like, or in a movie where the dog is the star and they mm-hmm. do the dog perplexed look into the camera, they gave me a lot of head tilting, like, and, and Alex, yes, yes, Alex, thank you for coming today. And I, I left and I, and I remember saying to Sonny in the hallway, you crushed that. You crushed that. She was like, girl, you did too. And I'm like, I did not. You're very nice. I so did not crush that. So I went home and I was like, bad mashed potatoes, bad hairdo, minestrone without beans. I'm lost the iron chef to cat Cora. I was like, I'm, I'm screwed. Um, <laughs> Good start, right? That's not a great story, right? I should have been like, I was a star from the moment I... 
but no, no. no. I again, I like no. I like that you keep it real and you tell us the truth. I, I mean, I love the story about finding out that you were pregnant with Ava uh, on your first Iron Chef battle. I mean, were you just were you able to even focus on no. what you were doing, or were you just thinking about the news that you had just received? I remember saying to myself, "I think I'm going to have to make a choice," knowing my personality. Um, I'm either going to be charming and ham it up with Alton and the chairman and be funny and hope to get invited back on that merit or be like, you know, a superhero cook and just breeze my way through this and not be so social and gregarious. I, 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 I knew that I wasn't capable of achieving a balance between the two. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to be cute and charming and smart and try to go for that. And if I win, I win big deal. Um, and I hammed it up with Alton and actually when the chairman's eating my food, he's just looking up at me while I'm talking. And I said, well, you don't really have to do it. You just sit here and eat the food. And he's like, yeah. And he laughed, but that was like our bond. Like the first time I met him, I was like, sweet gig, bro. And <laughs> he was like, he looked up at me like astonished and excited, you know, and I realized, well, Probably no Iron Chef talks like that, you know, even though, I mean, watching Morimoto, watching Bobby. I mean, I always told Bobby, like, he looks like a fire breathing dragon. He doesn't do anything. He's just cooking and looking in the camera. He's not saying anything. And he looks like fire is shooting out of his eyeballs. <laughs> I think that is an accurate assessment. I, I've never heard it described that way, but um, now I'm picturing it. Completely. Yeah. And, and he's always like, what do you mean? I, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? He's I'm not so like cool. that. He's what so you mean? cool under pressure always. Yeah. Uh, so, what, I mean, you, you talk about all these, you know, these, these fails or these, you know, missteps, but obviously you, you took things from there. How, how did you kind of take what you learned in those first experiences and go back and then become the iron chef that you are now? I don't know that I did. Hmm. I know people talk about this cumulative build to something. I don't, I don't think it wasn't that really that linear. So I had a couple of years there where I was, you know, giving birth and having a human. And I, um, the producer said, you know, you can't be on next Iron Chef, but you could, why don't I have you in as a judge on a few Iron Chef episodes? And I thought, you know, that's, is this kind of out of order? Like, am I, am I someone who can be a food authority judging that type of competition? So I did a bunch of episodes of Iron Chef as a judge. Um, I met people like Ted Allen for the first time, Batista, the wrestler, uh, Bone Crusher, the rapper. I met the most eclectic group of different people judging a bunch of, and I met Bobby. And that was a really big day for me um, because before I met him, you know, sort of like, you know, like Morimoto and Bobby, you know, it was just like these larger than life people. Um, so, so Iron Chef just yielded, um, you know, now I've been a challenger and I've been a judge. Um, I always used to joke like, all I have left is floor reporter and I will have, oh, and, and, and obviously no one was going to be the host, but Alton, but like right. other than mopping up after the shoot, I didn't have many more gigs to book on that show. I, I like that you brought up Bobby too, because I just found out an interesting fact that he was actually your executive producer on Alex's day off, Yes, uh, which by the way, you can, you can stream on discovery plus. I know. Cool. Oh, that what hairspray. Oh, <laughs> I love all the throwbacks you've been posting on Instagram, by the way. Uh, but no, what was it like having Bobby as your executive producer on that show? That's such a great question. And he's like, he hears sometimes bits of these little stories and he's always like, it wasn't like that. And I'm like, it really was though. 
um, the first day of out. So I did a show called The Cooking Loft and it really it wanted to be a good show. It did. It really wanted to. And it had a lot of good people involved in it. But I just I needed more direction. I needed more. I didn't have, you know, I think, you know, the first day we went to shoot and he was like, we're just going to give you food and you're just going to cook and talk. He's like, don't try to teach America how to cook. He's like, just talk and cook. So we, we all get there and we're all ready. And he comes in and he lived nearby at the time, near the studio where we shot. He came in, I'll never forget. And he's going to deny it in a court of law, but <laughs> this happened. He came in in like old school mirrors, sunglasses, like a cop. And he had a cup of coffee and he was wearing like a leather jacket, very low key, very low key. And these mirrored glasses. And he was like, hello, very, you know, hello. And I was like, hello, I'm so excited. And, you know, they were curling my hair and there was like a cloud of hairspray around me. It's unbelievable. They use like six cans of hairspray. Um, So the director, everybody was so excited. Right. And he's like, ready, go to the director. And I'm like, and Bobby's standing there looking at me with the mirrored glasses. They're fogging up from his coffee. And I just started hysterically crying. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Right then and there. Right then and there. I mean, eyeliner streaming like Alice Cooper has nothing on my makeup. <laughs> and the whole set was like, you know, everybody's thinking, did we make a, did we screw up here? Is this going to work? Is this, is this supposed to be her day off? Right. So they clean me up and. I can hear people talking, you know, when you can just hear like little noises, like who's going to get the job of trying to glue me back together. And no one, no one said anything, which was actually kind of perfect because I just cleaned up my act and I just went right into it. And after like shooting an act of that show, Bobby came over to me and he was like, you see, you just, you got rid of your jitters and now you're fine. He would come and he would watch a lot. He really did which is kind of astounded me. I thought this dude probably has bigger fish to fry, but he just was around a lot. Um, and I just got more and more natural. The whole group of people on that show, Rock Shrimp, the, his production company, and I had amazing food stylists. I just, all the people on that show, I worked with on so many other shows and it's just kind of like funny to look back on it. But I was a disaster. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm not trying to be cute for like, so we have a good interview. Mm. I was a hot mess. <laughs> no, I, I love these stories. I, I, I love them so much because I think it it really puts things in perspective for people because I think a lot of times people see us on TV and, and they think everything's perfect and it goes perfectly every single time. But if you know the behind the scenes or how things start, um, you know that that's definitely not the case. And oh I think my if you have, God. if you haven't cried on set at some point in your career, I, yeah, you're a lucky person. because, oh, Girl, yeah, I didn't know we were talking about crying because I don't know a show I haven't cried on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good to know. Uh, you've cried on Chopped. Oh, I, I, so many tears for really? what I've had to eat for stories, for what I see the experience mm -hmm. of competing on Chop doing for someone and their life and how they see themselves, watching them change in an afternoon just on just taking a chance on themselves and just realizing that the judges are just witnesses to those transformations. We always talk about transforming the ingredients in the basket, but I always joke that the true transformation is the contestants and what happens to them when they... Take a chance on themselves. You have to take a chance on yourself with Chopped. 
So just like Chopped is a whole phenomenon. The only thing I kind of want to say to you about Chopped, which is also totally true, is that I worked, I, that was originally um, the brainchild of many people, but one of them was a gentleman named Brian Lando who has his own production company now. And he does a lot of Guy Fieri's shows on Food Network. He works a lot with Guy, Tournament of Champions, Grocery Games. He does Restaurant Impossible. He does um, a ton of really great shows. And Brian is, I owe Brian a lot of my career. And these are the types of people that we don't talk a lot about. But Brian was at that time working internally at Food Network on programming. He then went out after and did his own stuff, but he was calling me and calling me. I want you for this show called Chopped. I want, I really think you should be a judge on this show. You're going to really like it. And I was like, I don't want to do it. It's a stupid name. Chopped. What does that even mean? <laughs> it sounds like a salad. I, I, I'm busy. I'm too busy to do that. Can you believe I, like, can you believe, who was I? I didn't have anything else to do. I, I, all I was doing was going to the restaurant and working. That's all I was doing. Who was I to say anything? But I was like, I even remember saying to him, like, I have to wash my hair that day. I'm just not free. So he said, okay, we're going to shoot the pilot and I'm going to send you the pilot in the mail. And so he mailed me a DVD of the pilot. And I was like, ooh, I remember being in my mail room, holding the DVD and being like, I'm sure I have it at home. So my agent called and he's like, dude, not for nothing. He's like, but you and Brian from Iron Chef and everything, like you go way back go on one episode of Chopped. Come on, just one. It's one afternoon. And I said, if I go once, will you stop? All stop bothering me once. This show's not going to last and it's not going to be good. So I want to go once. And he was like, fine, fine, one. So I went and I did the episode. And Linda Lee, the executive producer, I was like standing somewhere, probably at craft services, eating like a wheel of brie. And she came <laughs> over and she came over and she said, what do I have to do to get you to be on this show? What, 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 what would do it for you? Now, you do a little math in your head because you don't get asked a question like that very often. Right. What do I what, what do you want? And I knew that money was out of the question. If I had been like, I want a yacht and some sorted Skittles in a bowl and a white tiger, you know, like I knew that kind of stuff wasn't going to work. And I said, um. And I'm looking around like, God, make an ask. Like, and I said, um, I always have to sit in the middle. Anytime I'm here, I have to sit in the middle. And she's like, okay. And I said, no one remembers you know, on Hollywood squares. Well, you're not like, oh, I love the bottom left person. You just center square. And she was like, okay, you can always sit in the middle. I was like, cool. Little did I know that that's a request that would have, we're, we're year 12 of CHOP, by the way. Me as a, 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 like an exec on a greenlit committee, not going to ever have that job. Me. I'm chopping myself <laughs> from that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that story. I mean, yeah, you said season 12, hundreds of episodes later. Um, what What's your favorite memory from, from the show? I mean, that's kind of a, a hard question to, to pinpoint into one moment, but do you have a favorite memory? <clears throat> you know, the very first championship that we had, these two guys were just neck and neck through the whole thing. Uh, their names were Madison Cowan, who you've probably seen on a number of Food Network shows. He's fantastic. He's so talented. This guy just, he opens a basket and he's like, whoosh, whoosh. you don't even, it's like a, it's a, it's a weird, like extra gift he has. And this other guy named Jason Zuka, who was equally gifted in the same way. Um, but different, like Madison was more like polished and suave, like Madison would go like this and then go 
and there would just be this dish. And Jason was like grit and sweat, but they ended up with these unbelievable dishes. Um, Madison ended up winning. And I remember crying so much when I had to chop Jason because it was like both of them won. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But just crowning a winner and seeing what it did to Madison and even seeing what going that far had done for Jason, those two contestants, um, Jeffrey Zakarian turned to me and he said, you know, this is a show that showcases up and coming uh, chefs. He said, that's what this show is. And I remember just absorbing that and thinking, you're right. It isn't even about us. We're like a, we're, we're the wall in a handball court. And the contestants okay. are just playing handball and we're just the wall. We just bounce the ball back and they have to do all the hitting and deciding and strategizing, but you can't do it without a wall. So that's, I guess that's a great memory for me starting to really feel like, oh, I know what a judge is supposed to do here and I'm going to do that. And now you're hosting Supermarket Stakeout. Yeah. I, yeah. I have to say this is one of the more creative challenging food competition shows I've seen. It, it sort of actually feels, I don't know, like a mashup between chopped guys, grocery games, maybe a little cutthroat kitchen in there, but obviously it has its own twists and turns as well. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, first of all, I highly recommend it, but give us a quick primer on, on how the show works. It's a parking lot. I mean, we never even, we barely, we don't eat, be out of respect for guys, Monopoly on all diners, drive-ins, dives, and grocery stores all across America. This is a parking lot. It's really about the parking lot. And at first I was like, we don't even go in the store. How are we going to, but a parking lot's kind of a weird place. Like it has a lot of mojo and energy to it. There are a lot of people there. Part of the show is just like people walking through the set. Like they have their dog and they're trying to get to their car and they're like, Oh, what are you doing here? This is really cool. Uh, is this like a show? And I'm like, this is a Food Network show, you know? And they're like, oh, is Bobby here? And I'm like, no, I'm the host. And they're like, ah, huh, okay. So that's kind of fun that there's this real life. But it's three challenges. Um, uh, contestants essentially go up and offer to buy people's groceries as they're coming out of the store. Some people just say no. Some people ask for a lot of money. The last round is usually dessert, but not always. And you can only use five ingredients. So someone could say, to you, like, you can go and say, uh, can I just buy the chocolate you have in your bag? Nothing else. And people will be like, sure, for a hundred bucks. So someone coming out of that supermarket might make a hundred bucks off a, a, a bag of chocolate chips. Um, and then the winner wins $10,000. And it's unbelievable what they make with the, you know, there's a little pantry, but it's kind of dinky. You can't really make it's similar to grocery games in that you really don't have a lot to work with, um, which is good. And so now we get a peek inside America's grocery bags, which is always fun. There's like, there's a reveal to that. Like, oh my God, why did this person buy birthday cake and canned clams and toilet paper? But that's how a supermarket is, right? You can go in there and buy like a tracksuit, a wedding gift, 14 mangoes and, and, a, and a quart of milk. You know, you just don't know. Um, and we get the kookiest stuff. I mean, somebody somebody bought a 50-pound bag of carrots because they were juicing. They had like a juice diet. So the contestant came running back. They wanted other things in the cart that they saw. But a 50-pound bag of like, you know, balloons. And the best is when someone goes for like a birthday party. And they just buy everything. And they come out with like a cake and balloons and horns and candles and 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 then nothing to cook with. 
I think it's great. I love, I do love like the, the reality show portion of it in, in that these are actual shoppers coming out with, like you said, like whatever they went in looking for that day. I think that's super cool. But I want to ask you if somebody was buying your cart, yeah, what would they come away with? I'm a Gemini. So it depends on which twin is shopping. Um, <laughs> I'm the type of shopper where, first of all, I love to go to the supermarket. I just am obsessed with it. Um, so, um, you will always get, um, chicken, eggs and milk. I, I feel like, and bread. Those are the things that I just always end up buying. Even if I have enough, I'm just like, let me get another quart of milk. Um, so I would be good for that. Cause on supermarket stakeout, the, the chefs really want eggs a lot because mm-hmm. you can take an egg and take that flour baking pattern, baking soda from the pantry with spices. And you can run with that in a lot of directions. You can also make a million egg dishes. So eggs are like the holy grail ingredient. And of course, whenever you really need it, there are no eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, the most popular ingredient um, purchased at the supermarket in America is bananas. If you really? can believe it. Yep. So I would, you know, I, if I were competing, I would come on the show with like a good banana bread recipe. Um, but you would always get those baseline ingredients from me. And then I, I'm a big baker because it's very therapeutic for me. So unfortunately, you'd probably get a lot of things that are already in the pantry for me, like flour, sugar, baking powder, those types of things um, and fruit. I always buy a ton of fruit. My daughter is just a fruit eating creature. So um, a lot of fruit, which for a savoring challenge would be. You know, like, yeah. thanks, Alex. I have sugar, blackberries and bananas. <laughs> I know that production halted last year, obviously, due to the pandemic. And you started self-filming episodes from your home. What was uh, what was that process like? It was so unexpected. First of all, I burned my bushes. And oh no! everybody that watched the show laughed so hard at me because it ended up being weirdly like a halo around my head of burned hedge behind me. And everybody was like what happened there? And I'm like, yeah, I turned on the grill and I burned my, all my shrubs. So that was kind of funny. And everything (laughs) was like that. Everything was just so comical. It was really fun. Actually, you know, my fiance and I did it together and he would just hand me a bag of groceries and say, run with it. Um, and then he would come in and be the judge. And he was very honest about it. He'd be like, I love you. We're still getting married, but not your best work, you know? And the viewers were like, we love the honesty. You know, we love the trueness. And I like took him aside and said, like, could you just kind of like what I make a little bit more often? <laughs> um, well, speaking of your fiance, I know you got engaged last year. So congratulations. Thank um, you. How did you guys meet, though? So um, I went out to dinner at a rest- a local restaurant with a few friends of mine. And um, I just really liked my dinner. And I knew the waiter, just knew him for a few years. And I said, you know, this is really good. This is just good. I'm just really into my dinner right now. And he's like, oh my God, my best friend made it. He he loves you on Food Network. He'd be so excited to meet you. And I'm like, I'm like, look, I had a, I had, I've had like a glass of wine. I'm a little dopey, um, a loopy. And he was like, just come in the kitchen. And I was like, okay, you know, if the chef doesn't mind. And he's like, no, you know, it doesn't matter. It's cool. So I went back there and there he was. There, my fiance was, he, he made my dinner and he just turned around. He had like a giant bowl of French fries and he said, hello. And that was it. That was it right then. You knew. Yeah. I was like, all righty then I'm going to go have some more wine now. Um, yeah, I kind of did. I kind of did know. 
I mean, you know, it's easy to say after the fact that you knew because mm-hmm. it worked out, right? If it hadn't, I would have been like, I had no idea. You know, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> because of the result that I'm telling you I knew back then is my point. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, and and he, he proposed on your birthday last year. Were you expecting it or were you completely surprised? I'm such a sucker. And I, this is my birthday. I was like, oh, God, let's just have a cheese tray. All I want is a cheese tray for my birthday. So we went out to the local store and I bought some cheese and like a baguette and we were driving back. And he said, oh, my God, there's a baby deer. And I don't see its mother like in this field. And I was like, what do you mean? And I didn't see it. And I was on the phone with my mother. So he like pulled over and ran out to to find the deer and make sure it was okay. But I stayed in the car, like on the phone with my mom. He comes back. He's like, I don't know where the mother is. And the deer looks like he's just kind of not. And I was like, I hung up with my mother and I got out and I was like, we're going to have to get an animal welfare. Like we're going to have to find someone to come and pick up the little booby. Where is the deer? And I'm looking all around and he's like, it's right there. And I'm like, where? And he's like, right there. And I'm like looking and then I turn and he's on one knee and he's like, I have to marry you because you just believe every word I say. Like, you're such a sucker. And I love that. And I'm like, okay, I do. But where's the deer? (laughs) And he's like, there's no deer. This is just to get you out of the car. And I'm like, very cute. That is really cute. Yeah, I'm Um, I'm pissed. Where's the deer? (laughs) Where's the deer? I still want to know where the deer is. Uh, Do you guys have wedding plans in the works or is that on hold because of... That's a great question. So two things are holding me back. One, I hate to wear dresses. I never wear them. I don't own a dress. So that's going to kind of be an issue. Like I'm going to have to get it together in in that area. I know that sounds like a silly reason. No, that's not. I feel like you could do like a really cool like pantsuit or jumper or something like that that still feels special, but not wear a dress. You know, that sounds worse than a dress. That's the (laughs) problem. I may just go in like a a robe, but my... My daughter, um, I planned a huge birthday party for my daughter last year and it got obviously canceled. And so I want to have that big party for her first um, without any other distractions. So we're going to we're waiting to see when that can happen. And then the year after that, so probably next year, 2022. And I want to have a really big wedding. I mean, I want a party. I want like 500 people in a field with like a lot of hors d'oeuvres. I don't want anybody I know to cook. You know, that's that's a question I get a lot. Who's going to cook? Who's going to make the cake? Right. For a chef. I don't want anybody I know. I want everybody who's a chef to be a guest. I want the entire Food Network to come. Everybody. Aww. So, I, you know, I don't know. Who, that's a pressure for someone who's going to have to cook for everybody. Yeah. Right. All those chefs. <laughs> who's signing up for that? I mean, somebody somebody that's very ambitious, who uh, is good under pressure and wants to wants to impress some people, I think, uh, needs to be on that short list. Um, you brought up your daughter, Ava, and I love seeing you guys on social media together. It It is really super sweet. Um, you can see how close you guys are. It seems like your best friends. Um, but she, I know she cooks a lot, but doesn't want to follow in your, in your footsteps. Yeah. What, what, what do you see her becoming in her career? You know, I didn't cook at her age at all. So she's 13 and I'm thinking, you know, and yesterday we were talking about a restaurant and stuff and she goes, well, maybe I would cook there. And that, that was kind of interesting to me. 
I bet you Ava will have a cooking job here and there along the way just to kind of explore it for herself. But I see her being a writer. She, she, um, she writes a lot. She does her homework and then she's typing and I'm like, what are you doing? Is that more homework? And she said, nah, just writing a bunch. So she reads me her writing every week. And I'm figuring like if she's doing that at 13, she's probably going to do that as an adult, but you never know. She will be a really great home cook um, either way. And I'm glad for that. I feel like she should have that skill to herself. And she naturally has a really good idea of how to arrive at a good flavor, um, which I find interesting. But yeah, it doesn't want to be me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it seems like she's already a good home cook. Yeah. And and she has a super adventurous palate as well. And I would imagine that's the result of growing up with an Iron Chef as a mom. Um, do you have advice for parents who do have some picky eaters in their in their household? I remember when Ava okay. was a baby, my father said, um, I was like, what do I do if she doesn't want to eat? Or, and he said, leave her alone. Kids will eat when they're hungry kind of thing. I think, you know, it's, I feel like parents are upset. Like it's their fault if their kid's a picky eater. The first advice I have for parents of picky eaters is don't blame yourself or don't think it's some shortcoming of yours that led to it. People are just picky eaters. I just feel like parents need to just not give themselves a hard time about it and not be super anxious if uh, the kids are, you know, late to the table with loving a lot of different things. Big deal. It's going to happen, but it's more apt to open up if your children don't feel pressured. Like, I must love this quail. Who can't? Like, they're going to get there. They're going to get there. Mac and cheese, burgers, grilled cheese, chicken fingers. We all eat them. They're delicious. Stop lying. <laughs> uh, they are delicious. And I'm curious, you're, you're on a random Tuesday night. One of you's cooking dinner. Who's cooking it? And what's the, the go-to just weeknight meal in your household? It's either my fiance makes this, this type of dinner. Sometimes I put stuff out and I'm like, Ava, you make dinner. Or me. It, we really switch off and we it's no real rhyme or reason to who does it. We make a lot of turkey burgers. We make a lot of throw a chicken in the oven with vegetables on a sheet. We're big on the sheet pan dinners. Mostly because I don't mind cooking. I mind a sink full of dishes. To me, a quick dinner is a 30-minute meal, I always say, is 29 minutes of cooking and one minute of dishes. That's a 30-minute meal. It's the dishes that bother me, never the cooking. Never. A lot of sheet pan, you know, salmon and kale, uh, roast chicken with the like chopped up onions and garlic. Um, I'll throw a bunch of um, vegetables in the oven. We're big on roasting and stovetop cooking. Um, so it generally goes in that direction. Also, honestly, last night, for example, Michael made turkey burgers and baked potatoes for him and Ava. And I just ate like a sweet potato and some roasted endive. And Ava was like, ugh. So here's Ava, Miss Finesse, turning her nose up at my endive. So, <laughs> but dishes, I think weeknight meals are about not a huge, not making a huge mess, um, whatever it is that you're eating. And also I find like cook some grains and have them in the fridge and just toss them with stuff. I always have a vinaigrette hanging around on the counter. That just makes it easier. I, uh, I hear you on the dishes that, that, that is one of the, my motivations for starting to cook at, at the young age that I did, because I, I never wanted to do the dishes. So the rule was always, if you cook the other, you know, the other people had to do the dishes. And thankfully my boyfriend 
loves doing dishes. So seriously, um, yeah, we have a good we have a good relationship in, in that sense that um, I, I cook and I can you know make a mess and he does the dishes. So uh, this has been so much fun chatting with you and I appreciate all the stories. I do have one last question before we let you go that we're asking all of our guests on Food Network Obsessed just to kind of see. Uh, I love seeing the answers and hearing the answers. Um, your perfect food day. So we're talking breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You can travel, you can time travel, spend whatever money you want. You can have any chef cook for you. You can cook, your daughter can cook, whatever it is. Um, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. What's your perfect food day? Wow, that's hard. Um, <laughs> I would probably go to uh, Paris for breakfast and go to um, a bakery and get a bunch of croissants and just things that taste like butter because nothing's better and drink 70 cups of espresso eating those pastries in the Trocadero in the 16th arrondissement Paris looking out at the city. Um, I would then um, definitely go to Rome for lunch um, and have a lot of artichokes in the Campo del Fiore market. I would just 70 artichoke carts staring at the market. <laughs> I guess I like markets. And then I might fly home to America for um, dinner. Um, this is such an underrated country. It has the most unbelievable resources and ingredients. I would go to Los Angeles and I would have a seafood smorgasbord with um, Santa Barbara spot prawns, Santa Barbara sea urchins. I just think the seafood in that part of the world is unbelievable. Um, just a giant never ending raw bar, preferably spread out on a beach in Malibu um, yes. and watch the sunset. Um, I'd like to finish in America. I think really um, I do. I'm really partial. I lived in France for many years. And I went to Italy really for the first time while I was living there. So I was living in France, broke, took a train to Italy, had like some coffee and orange juice and went to the markets and then took a train home. And it was, you know, it was weird. I brought a quart of milk from Italy home in my suitcase <laughs> to Paris. What, why did I do that? Like of all the things, <laughs> hey, dude, what'd you get in it while you were in Italy? I got a quart of milk. Such a weirdo, right? So that would be my perfect day. Dessert. I mean, breakfast would be really dessert heavy in the in the scenario I described. But I uh, I do have a huge sweet tooth. So I don't know whether like I would need to go to Vienna and maybe have some some Viennese desserts. I might I might dip to Vienna after the Santa Barbara raw bar beach crawl. <laughs> and then we have a midnight snack, which is a New York City slice of pizza. So there's a lot uh, of yes. There's a lot of flying around in my day. Is that okay? Or was yeah, there a no, limited budget for airfare? There are no rules in this question. Absolutely no rules. So I, I love that you you traversed, you know, half of the world in, in, in making your perfect food day. And if you didn't want to go back to Vienna, maybe you could just pack uh, some extra croissants in, in your bag with the, with the quarter milk and <laughs> have that on the beach. Can you believe that? And I remember being nervous. Like I was like in a, like a drug cartel. I was like, I have a whole <laughs> quart of milk in my bag. What a, what a weirdo. Right before the pandemic hit, I had tickets to go to Tokyo for the first time and bring my daughter and go to the fish market. And I've never been to that part of the world. So 
hopefully when things get back to normal, I'll get to do that. I have a feeling that I would, had I gone, would probably factor that into my day too. Thank you so much for for taking the time. Again, I know you're very busy and we do appreciate it and loved all the stories. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, let me know when you're doing part two, because we'll do like biggest bloopers and disasters on all the shows. Cause really like, wow, I could probably come up with a, a real zinger of a story for each one. And I bet you listeners would love that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a a little teaser. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave them wanting more as, as you always should. So thank you again. Wow. Uh, So much to unpack from that interview. So many amazing stories that I haven't heard before. I cannot believe she found out she was pregnant with Ava the the day that she competed for the first time on Iron Chef America and obviously did not uh, win that day. But she has been victorious many times since. And I also love hearing uh, her engagement and her love story and uh, so many other things. There's definitely going to be a part two at some point because there's so much more I wanted to ask her. Until that time comes, you can catch Alex on The Kitchen Saturday mornings at 1110 Central on Food Network. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, please subscribe if you haven't already and leave a five-star rating and a review. I will appreciate it so, so much. Until next Friday, have a great week and we'll see you for another episode of Food Network Obsessed. Obsessed.